Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. In this week's episode, we've got a three-way pod for you with Anders Peterson, founder and managing director of Art Tactic, and Zohar El-Hanani, CEO of Mutual Art, an art data, analytics, and decision support platform. Today, Anders and Zohar are going to chat with us about the importance of data and transparency in the art market. We're also going to discuss Mutual Art and Art Tactic's new partnership, which Mutual Art provides enhanced data to competitors in Art Tactic's Art Forecaster competitions. You can join Art Forecaster's London Grand Slam competition now, featuring artworks upcoming at auction for the June Impressionist and Modern, as well as post-war and contemporary auctions, by visiting artforecaster.com. Anderson Zohar, thanks so much for speaking with us. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Nice to talk. Anders, you have a lot of experience in the art market. How much improved data and transparency do you think we've seen in recent years? And do you feel like we're still progressing on this front or have things become a bit stagnant? Well, I think it depends a little bit on how we define recent. But I think if we go uh, 20 years back, I think we'd, uh, I would say a lot has happened. Um, and the art market has gone through a kind of a a few, uh, I would say, information, uh, if not revolutions, but of evolution or uh, evolutionary periods. Um, I mean, you had the sort of late 1990s, early 2000s, where I guess the digitization of auction prices was a uh, quite a dramatic uh, change in the art market and the likes of Artnet and ArtPrice and later on Mutual Art, etc., has has continued this. And I think it, uh, it had obviously a dramatic, dramatic impact on access to um, being in, able to instantly look up things and how it's sold. And, and obviously, when, when the past was basically you had to maybe wait for a physical auction guide to be produced with 12 to 18 months lag. So um, I think that was the kind of the first, uh, I would say, the first dramatic shift in, in the way that information was made available to, to collectors and the market in general. And I think um, beyond that, I think we started to see, obviously, the growth of the online markets. Uh, the general usage of internet in, in 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 general, the amount of information now in and you know available is is entirely different than than ten years ago. So I think we sort of moved into a different dimension. Um, whether this means you know is is that does this mean that there's full transparency in the art market? Um, I would say no. Uh, I think uh, it might never become fully transparent. Uh, I think there's sort of there's a there's a push for transparency uh, and, and continue. Uh, I think technology will be one of the tools used to to make this happen, and we see obviously in the market now whether it's sort of apps such as Magnus, um, which is crowdsourcing for gallery prices, or online platforms like Mutual Art and, and others. Um, you know, I think all these things will gradually, uh, you know, push the boundaries and, and actually, you know, make 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 both the audiences, I guess, the consumer wanting more information. I think there's a there's a bit of a generation thing as well. I, I think young young people want more uh, transparency, particularly regarding uh, pricing. And so I think ultimately, as the that consumer becomes more powerful in the art market, I think uh, galleries and online platforms will be forced to to be become more transparent in order to keep these customers. Um, so I, I, overall, I think we 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 have seen a uh, I would say over over quite a long period. It's not something that's just happened in the last years, but I think there's been a a significant shift. Uh, but it's got um, it's got a lot you know long way to go to be fully transparent. But as I said, I'm not sure if that will ever ever happen. And Zohar, you have experience in the art world at Mutual Art, and you also have a diverse background with significant experience outside of the art market. What do you feel the art world can learn from other industries who have undergone transformation and how data can be used and leveraged? 
So generally speaking, uh, markets tend to grow and evolve uh, once there's more data to work with. I think if we look at the other asset classes that have evolved, uh, that's a, a prerequisite. And the art market, in, in the sense, is, as, as Anders pointed to, are benefiting for more digit- digitization and access to data. And the more tools that are built on top of the data itself that is, is abundant and needs to be gathered and distilled, uh, the more uh, effective or, or the higher level of confidence the individual, whether professional or uh, entry level that wants to get in and purchase an artwork would have uh, to, to go ahead with that decision. And that would grow the market ultimately. Uh, knowing that there's a liquid quantifiable market will allow for broader participation. Uh, it makes entry uh, much easier for collectors, investors, and so forth. Uh, the consequence could be, uh, over time, a compression of margins. You know, the, the market becomes more transparent and more data points to support decisions. Uh, it does affect margins. However, uh, the markets tend to grow and offset the compression with scale. Uh, liquidity being available uh, will allow for more advanced structures and products to be offered, such as guaranteed, guarantees, uh, financial assurances. Uh, lending would become much more available uh, as lenders tend to look at their ability to offload or move um, the assets that they're lending. Again, in this case, art, if they know how to value uh, the works that they're lending against and where and when they can sell them, that would lend to that. Uh, and I think that means a broader market in general. So so generally, you can apply other asset classes. Uh, in my experience there, I, I feel very comfortable seeing the same trend happening in the art world, as, as Andrews pointed to, uh, the generational uh, gaps, the use of technology, are prerequisite. Obviously, people need to consume data in order to make these decisions uh, based on the data. So there, there is a, a lag, and I think it will take time. And I think the, uh, unlike perhaps other financial assets, art will uh, always, in my view, have a strong human element. But the, the data and the tools that come on, on top of that will allow for even broader confidence on top of the human advisory, uh, again, to scale the market and make it much more efficient and liquid. And I think that's a very positive uh, element for, for the market as a whole. And so when we talk about the need for improved data and transparency in the art market, can you give us some specifics? So what kind of additional data or improved transparency do you believe different participants in the art market are seeking? What so I already kind of mentioned, I think one of the uh, very important aspects is is uh, relinked to artists and asset class. And I think it's um, you know, art is increasingly now moving into the domain of the finance world, um, and whether it's art secured lending, as I already mentioned, or financial guarantees. Um, I think we're seeing in like kind of a whole uh, array of financial products now being built around the and based on the value of an art object. And I think in this regard, I think we need to, you know, we need to um, to get better at, at, at uh, have, you know, assessing the data. We need better tools and methodologies for understanding, assessing and pricing that risk and, and also to ensure the kind of efficient allocation of capital. So I think um, at, at the moment, I think what's going to be one of the primary drivers for uh, 
for this this increased need for data is is this final financialization of 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 the art market or the or, or the art object um i think there's still on the on the consumer level i think we when we see the demand for the kind of analytics that we produce there's always this uh, tension between the emotional so the collector has an emotional attachment to the object and the an, an analysis are kind of uh, sometimes uh, convenient when they kind of, uh, I guess, almost kind of follow the intuition of the collector or, or it, it sort of goes in line with what they expect. But sometimes when the analytics kind of it goes against what's, uh, what the emotional kind of uh, aspect of what, an art, uh, what a collector feels about an artwork, it's so, um, often it's 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 it, 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 there's this tension that is not always needed and i think this is this is something with analytics we we see more and more need from uh the professional the more the industries that that needs to take decisions based on uh based on value and risk and it's not where, where the emotional aspects is are kind of detached from it uh, uh and i think you know in, in the end the more the more the art world is moving that direction, I think we, we see that with the growth of the art lending industry. We see that with the use of financial guarantees. I think we're just going to be, uh, you know, there the, the will be also a need for uh, strengthening the tools and the the, the infrastructure in, in terms of, a, of of assessing and valuing and, uh, and understanding these risks. Very much agree with Anders. I think the emotional component definitely stands out when you take the, the decision down to the collector, the individual, as opposed to a financial institution. Financial institution would look to, to protect itself and, and would look at the assets, in this case art, that they would be uh, providing capital against uh, in a very calculated, analytical uh, view. The collector would, would generally follow the emotional path. They, they like the art that they see, they want to purchase it. But they do want to make sure that they're paying adequate value within range, not to be paying too much. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, if, if the price is right, it, it makes the decision uh, much easier for them. I think uh, data points such as auction records, exhibitions, um, upcoming art fairs, articles related to an artist or a certain genre are always valuable. These are data points that would uh, give anyone uh, some sense of orientation with respect to what they're seeing. Um, the fact that these are real-time and global and even sliced to the regional level, that's, that's all very helpful. I think uh, in our case, we focus on personalization, really giving insights based on the personal taste um, whether it's recommending uh, artists of, of similar um, uh, genres uh, and, and as well as uh, price points. Uh, so slicing the individual taste and, and providing insights as to other comparable works or comparable artists is critical. Uh, and, and providing data points in terms of uh, pricing, which is something that uh, everyone needs to consider at, at a purchase uh, time frame. Uh, we also are looking at in, in indices in terms of looking at different uh, elements to affect individual artists and trends compared to their peers, uh, seeing frequency of sales, volumes, uh, and, and trending them in general uh, to sh you know to show not necessarily score or grade individual artists, which we should not be doing, but provide data points that would support a general sense of, of trend 
on a relative basis between different artists as part of the decision-making process. So there are many variables, and obviously they're different if you're looking at the professional versus the collector. Uh, and our view is, is provide objective, uh, market-driven data and allow people to make uh, what they want with that data as long as it's objective and uh, coming from a credible source. Uh, so all of that, I think, will benefit transparency, and uh, I think it meshes well with everything Andrews decided and discussed, touching on uh, the different players, financial or none, that would participate in the market. And so if we look ahead now, let's say five years from now in the art market, how much change do you expect to see when it comes to data and transparency? I think the, the trend that we've seen in the last 10 years will continue, and I think it's... Um, I think technology will again be be the the primary driver uh, alongside the sort of the general trend I just uh, mentioned regarding the financialization of of the art market. So, um, I, I think uh, I think it's important to to, to realize and all the, even if we are moving to more to kind of sort of a, a more data driven uh, art market that art is still uh, you know there's something it's not a commodity in its in its, its sort of financial sense it has. Uh, its value is subjective and it's driven by unique characteristics. And I think in you know, the things that Zohar mentioned, uh, there's a whole uh, set of information beyond the pure transactional and, and sort of talked about, uh, you know, exhibitions and so forth, which is obviously plays into the, not only the economic value, but the kind of cultural value of the artist. And I think part of, of, of going forward is also to educate um, the, the audiences about how to understand value in the art market and, and what we've been doing for the last 17 years is, is, is you know, through partly through teaching but also through information is trying to make um, people interested in, in data, interested in analytics and, and is also the reason why uh, Mutual Art and, and, and Art Tactic has partnered on, on the Art Forecaster is really to raise awareness about uh, value, uh, interest in value, awareness and value, and, and then also the kind of tools that are available. Uh, I, I think there's, you know, the art market today, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's um, in many ways why very top heavy. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, engaging in the market unless you have millions is difficult. Uh, and I think some of the analytical tools are often based around artists that uh, that are often geared towards the very high end of the market. And I think you know there's there's a need to introduce this at all levels. And I, I feel um, you know the art forecast. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it afterwards. But it's uh, I, I think you know it's it's, it's a kind of a, a playground for people to explore uh, the, the the use of data and the interest in data. So I think you know there's one thing is having the tools. The other thing we need to come constantly stimulates uh, the market to to take an interest in it. I mean, data is not everything, but it's, uh, as Zora mentioned, it's a, it's a great support tool and it's one, one can explain a great deal and one can understand a great deal. And I think it creates also, um, as also mentioned earlier, uh, confidence in the market. And I think this is particularly important for the next, uh, the next generation. I echo Ender's sentiment with respect to the use of technology in the next five years. Uh, we'll see much more use of technology as, as a tool uh, to explore art. The visualization of art is there. The data that's gathered and available is there. The advent of uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and even machine vision, where you can actually look at an, an artwork and, and from it understand what you're seeing in terms of style and taste and take that forward in terms of recommendation and 
education, as Anders pointed to. I think that's a critical element. As I mentioned earlier, I don't think we'll replace the human element, we'll augment the human advice and experience. Uh, but these tools will objectivize the market in in a way that's needed. The view has always been uh, that there's great information asymmetry between buyer and seller. Obviously, the more professional the sides, the two sides are, uh, the more information they have. But if you have entrants or early stage collectors that do need information, uh, this is a great way for them to educate themselves and become much more informed in a non-invasive way. They they can research on their own. The the technology would deliver insights to them without the discomfort of perhaps um, asking or showing the fact that you're not necessarily as knowledgeable as your peer. And that, along with social media, which I think is another fascinating uh, avenue that's being expanded on Instagram, as an example, ways to promote new artists and uh, highlight their works and, and run a parallel channel of promoting artists uh, as opposed to galleries or auctions. And in some cases, even auctions and galleries highlight their lots before they actually highlight them on their site to use social media as the starting point. Uh, and it's a new platform for artist discovery, uh, understanding trends by opinion leaders and market makers. I think that's also part of the equation and the creation of new channels for knowledge and experiencing arts through the digital media, which is um, uh, all based on expanded use of technology, which, uh, again, the generational shift is, is definitely helpful in that respect. So I'm, I'm very optimistic about it. And I, I think uh, if we look at Art Forecaster uh, and Mutual Art as, as a combination, we're really uh, at the forefront of that in providing these tools and that transparency uh, in a non-invasive way, we're simply projecting data as part of a, uh, a platform that allows a rookie or a professional to experience and, and test their skills and expand on their skills in education. And I think that's just a, a small taste of what's to come. So uh, the future is definitely bright in terms of art and data. And Anders, let's talk a minute about Art Tactics, Art Forecaster, and how it's contributing to some of this improved data. For our listeners who aren't familiar with Art Forecaster, it's a platform we have in which we host competitions for upcoming auctions in which participants can sign up for free and they predict what artworks will sell for uh, at auction. Um, so Anders, how do you see Art Tactics, Art Forecaster, contributing to more and improved data for the art market? I guess it has two aspects. One is is the the data itself, and I think it has already built up a sort of an interesting, well, a different data set around uh, you know the the comparison between actual value and what people believe. The you know alongside all the tools out there, and 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 an interesting uh, you know application that I think we can we, we will start looking at in the future. Um, but I think at the moment, I guess what is more important for us is to. To create, and let's come back to a little what I said earlier, and that's also what Sora just said, uh, is to create an environment where I think people, uh, you know, can experiment and and enjoy thinking about and analyzing and predicting what something would be worth. So it's in a sense it takes it takes a live environment. It's not a historic auction; it's a live auction. So obviously the uh, 
um, excitement of not knowing. It, it's uh, you know, it's, it's something. So the, the gamification of this thing, I think, is important. And um, when we uh, started to to talk to Mutual Art and, and Zohar, was to try to also give our, I guess, our readers the best, or players in this case, the 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 best, you know, player exp- or game experience. And that also involved when we talked to our players was to say that they missed having tools, they missed having more comparable transactions. And we were starting to think, okay, well, how can we bring this into the game? And and we started that in May. Uh, we're going to continue that into the next uh, competition now in June. And I, I think again, it it's. Um, the art forecaster is, as was mentioned, is non-intrusive. It's non-financial. There's no money being lost or gained. Uh, it's purely, uh, I guess, is is an education platform. The origin was education. It started at Sotheby's Institute in 2014 uh, as a as a project among students to get them engaged in uh, notion and, and and interest around value and. Um, and, and I think, I believe still this is the core. I think the more people we can get interested in art, the more uh, that data that's being produced by art forecaster will be uh, of value. But ultimately, it will also increase just the 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 market. And I think this is uh, one of the sort of the key things mentioned before. I think one thing having data, but if people don't understand how the data is being used, then it's not much, much, much use at all. So the, the sort of education and the development of data needs to go hand in hand. So therefore, um, you know, that's, so that's really the, the, the purpose of our forecast. So the data, I would say, is slightly secondary at the moment, but we obviously believe that that, that will be important in the future. Um, but as a platform, as an educational platform, as a, as a wrapped up in a, in, a, in, a, in a, as a game, I think has uh, has huge value, and, and uh, I'm delighted that you know again we can work with mutual art in terms of uh, you know again enhancing the the player experience. And Zohar, why do you feel it's important for mutual art to partner with Art Forecaster on this initiative to provide these advanced analytics to players competing in the Art Forecaster competitions? So the the first uh, uh, primary reason is uh, simply meeting Anders and hearing his vision for the industry, the longevity that our tactic has in the industry, and the fact that from within uh, the traditional business of research, uh, a vision evolved to take uh, data and allow for even further transparency through dynamic use of data to enable uh, decisions and transparency and education at the player level with respect to our forecasters. So I thought the, the vision um, that evolved out of our tactic into the gaming platform was very attractive and very much in line with how we view the market in terms of its evolution using digital technologies, uh, strong underlying data to instill a sense of, of confidence and transparency in the market in order to effectively grow it. As I mentioned earlier, broader data, more available data makes the market grow. Otherwise, it will continue to remain a very small, top-heavy industry. And uh, these are big uh, first steps that we're taking to affect that and educate the market to use technology and embrace it. Uh, our tools specifically mesh very well with the Art Forecaster platform. The players can research lots and enhance their bidding decisions in a non-intrusive, uh, non-monetary fashion. It's simply a game, but effectively it mimics a real-life uh, pre-game or pre-option scenario where you conduct your research and you're using 
a mutual arts tool. Um, art forecasters select the lots from real, actual, upcoming auctions. So there's, there's no uh, subjectivity in it. We're picking uh, lots uh, from upcoming uh, auctions, and I think that's the a real, real life uh, scenario that we're simulating. And above all, we really like the art forecaster team, and we we look forward to working with you. And we, you know, it's very easy to work with people that are like-minded and uh, forward-looking. And I think we found a very good partner in Art Forecaster, and we look forward for for many years of working together. Zohar and Anders, thanks so much again for coming onto the podcast and speaking with us about the importance of data and transparency in the art market and where you may be headed in these areas in the future. And for our listeners, if you haven't done so already, make sure to check out artforecaster.com and sign up to play in our London Grand Slam competition, which is now live on the site. And for this competition, when you're making your predictions for artworks upcoming at auction, make sure to take advantage of Mutual Arts enhanced analytics for each lot that are available on artforecaster.com. Anders and Zohar, thanks so much again. Thank you. Thank you very much, Adam.